Hey there, listeners. Drew here. You're about to listen to an awesome episode that Andy and I recorded with Jeff Comp at ASAP19 talking about resilience, a really important topic for both medicine and life in general. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about some cool stuff going on with our website. If you haven't visited emovereasy.com recently, well, you should. First reason is that you have a chance to sign up for our new email. Every other week, we're sending out an email that talks about some of the cool stuff we're doing, what we're reading, what we're watching, what we're listening to. You get a little more insight into the life of Andy, Tanner, and myself. The second reason to check out our website is recently we've been adding expanded blog posts. We were listening to you, our listeners, and taking your feedback to heart. You told us that you wanted more written material, and well, we're giving it to you. We've brought on two awesome medical students, Trisha and Spencer, to write posts about the episodes of recording, so you can not only listen, but you can also read. All right, enough of that. Let's get on to the episode. Hey there, Eam Over Easy listeners. Drew here. We are at ASEP 19 in very snowy and cold Denver. Two days ago, it was sunny, 75 degrees and beautiful. It is also beautiful today in a very different way and about 40 degrees cooler. Joined by co-host Andy Little. Hey. And one of our uh, recurrent guests, Jeff Comp. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is, as always, a blast. I'm excited. Well, welcome back, Jeff. We always love having you. You gave a great talk at the Drop the Mic competition uh, just yesterday here at ASAP, talking a little bit about resilience, and we wanted Thank to bring you. you on to our show and hit this topic a little harder, do a little deeper dive. I think we've talked about the concept of resilience multiple times on EM Over Easy. It's yeah. a recurring theme for us, but I don't know that we've really done a dedicated episode to resilience and what that is. So this is our opportunity with a uh, newly made expert in resilience, or at least his own resilience. So Jeff, give us kind of an introduction to what resilience is to you and maybe your motivation behind your drop the mic talk, and we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Um, honestly, my my interest became a story of myself. I mean, uh, you guys were my you guys were my seniors. You, t- you taught me how to be a doctor. Um, I had a really hard time my undergrad year. Uh, I was uncomfortable. I was nervous. I had a really hard time. And a lot of the things that I was doing to try to get myself better just weren't working. And when you look at a lot of the research, and when I looked at a lot of the research and a lot of, a lot of the literature on, on resiliency and burnout and stuff, there was this gap. There are these this constant re- redefinition um, and redetermination, I guess, of, of what resiliency and burnout is. Uh, and then there's this movement where we need to change the system, but there's nothing in between. So I really started to try to figure out how I can allow myself and my co-residents, and now that I'm, I'm attending, how I can help my residents and, and my partners become the best versions of themselves, and also ultimately helping out our, our patients. Yeah. I remember being your chief and then in attending, and I still remember now... Uh, maybe not how much you struggled, but I remember the coping mechanisms you tried. Yeah. Like you, you tried to be a comedian and Jeff, you're funny, but you're not that funny. <laughs> and, but it was interesting to see you go through this phase of you would try something and it didn't work. You were literally actively searching for what is my trigger? What is my, my kryptonite for yeah. this? Yeah. And it was fun to watch the progression start from where you were to where you are now, where, I mean, we also have problems. We also move forward, but like every day, but you're probably about as Zen as it comes now. Oh, well, I, well, I appreciate that. So, so the, how did the, you... the duck on the water, right? <laughs> We're talking, legs yeah. going. Legs going real fast. Um, so how did you go from this kind of testing? I mean, you tried a lot of stuff. What, what was it that made you really find what was your resiliency? And I think that's where your talk went. Is yeah. that it, this is unfortunately a very personalized solution yes. with a personalized problem. Yes. Treat it as it's systemic. Yes. Well, I'm sure he did really well with all that useful feedback he got, including, well, just be more well. And how about you do better? 
Oh yeah, and just go yoga for yoga classes. And everything will be fine. Take uh, free range kale. I mean, that's like that's the, that's the kind of thing. Unfortunately, I mean, when we think about that, I think that's unfortunately the way that that the conversation starts now, right? We have the uh, the wellness day which is just my biggest pet peeve, you know, where you wake up early, you sit in this sterile room, you have all these fluorescent lights and someone tells you, I uh, lectures you about, you were well. the problem. You, you are the issue and you need to get better. Um, if you can't keep up, then you are not being resilient. But when I think about it, I mean, we're, we're emergency medicine doctors. We are the most resilient people in the world. Humans aren't supposed to work eight, 10, 12 hours a day, hold their bladder until they get this obstructive AKI. Um, try to shovel down food in the middle of, of their shift, see horrific tragedy and, and move on and, and go back to work. Um, we're just not built like that. And unfortunately, all of these courses and everything that we hear about always says, oh, well, you should be spending more time with family, eating well, getting enough sleep, um, exercising. Just by the nature of our job, doesn't really allow us to do that. So Andy, going back to your question, the first thing that I did, um, I changed my thinking. Um, uh, for for those of you of your listeners that don't quite know, I tend to be a little bit more of a positive person. Um, and when I changed my thought process to how can I help build up my own happiness rather than how can I fight burnout, um, it kind of unlocked things for me because that made it a that made it an approachable goal rather than a redefinition and a re, like essentially reverting to to the problem. So I think when you gave your talk yesterday, one thing that stuck out to me is when we talk about how personal this solution is, the, to me, the bigger problem is, is we're told to go find a personal solution and we're told to do it with the time that we have, yes. which is time that we don't have. Yes. I mean, I still remember as a resident getting, and even now as an attending, when you go online and you have to do your, your yearly wellness CME through your hospital, go through their 12 slides on the PowerPoint that you'd plan double time and go to the bathroom for, they keep going like, well, just make sure find more time to sleep. And I'm yeah. like, when am I supposed to find more time to Tell sleep? Tell me where. And exactly. they're like, make sure you exercise five times a week. And I'm like, okay, are you going to pay me the same amount of money and give me an extra day off? And I feel like when I was, when I was researching this from, uh, to have you on, I looked at a lot of the European data and they just laugh at us here in the States. They work 30 hour work weeks. They have long paid vacation. Like all these things that they have done to their society. Paternity leave. Yeah. With, with similar outputs, yes. by the way but their people are happier yeah. and it's because they realize that wellness and resilience is a very personal thing. And the only thing a system can do is actually give you the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, I totally disagree. Have you ever walked the streets of Paris? They are clearly not happy, right? <laughs> I think, I think that's a whole, that's not based on work though. <laughs> but, but, but I think the idea is, is that we're, we're given all these solutions, but never given the, never facilitated the time. Cause that's, this all comes down to time. Yeah. And as, as trainees and as faculty and as physicians, we don't afford ourselves the time. And neither do the systems that we work in afford us the time to really be well. And when you, when new people that are struggling with this try to take some of that advice, they're trying to learn a skill to try to put a bandaid on something too, right? And what I really think it takes is some introspection to sort of say, all right, well, what's the thing that, that makes me me? What's the thing that fills up my own sort of personal happiness and wellness like sort of cup, you know, it doesn't. It's not me telling you, you need to do this or someone else telling you, you should be doing this. It's you saying, oh, you know what? I used to, I really liked to, I really liked to do art before, you know, I, I like building little model airplanes or you know what? I really like hiking or I really like writing or poetry or graphic design or, or spending time with your family, but it's ultimately deciding what the thing is for you. And then the next step is actively scheduling time. 
and is just like you were saying, how do you find time in your in your busy work schedule to make this happen? And frankly, the solution is is to schedule it in. Just like we schedule our shifts into work on your same calendar, schedule in shifts for, hey, I'm going to go on a date night with my spouse or I'm going to take the dog for a walk and I'm going to leave my phone at home. So I'm not just constantly checking or spinning my wheels or, uh, you know, I've got two hours before my shift. So, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit at a coffee shop and I'm going to bring an actual novel, right? Like not a, not a, not a journal, not a medical textbook. I'm just going to bring my favorite novel and just sit and read for a while. But it's taking the time and spending your energy determining what you like doing rather than trying to follow a path that someone else has been trying to prescribe for you because that's just spinning your wheels. I mean, if yoga isn't for you, then don't do yoga. But unfortunately there's these continued, like you were saying, Andy, there's these continued prescribed things that people can do. And unfortunately people follow down that rabbit hole rather than actually having a specific goal. When I was thinking about this, I was, the other thing I was thinking about is when was the last time each of us allowed ourselves to have unstructured playtime? Like being a dad, being a parent, you know, you put your kid in a room full of toys and give them about 15 minutes. They will literally like forge around the room and they'll find something that they're excited about and they'll start playing with it. Now imagine that same kid is put in a room with one toy that they don't enjoy and said, play with that, enjoy yourself for the next four hours. And I think that that's kind of where we are with, with wellness and resiliency. It's it's Here's a fantastic analogy. We're just like, this is what you're forced to play with. Make it work. If you're not happy, you're not happy. But we don't, yep. we're not allowing ourselves to go into this vault where there's a hundred things to do and we get to discover yeah. what we actually want to be well with. And there's no talk about, I mean, by the time you get to medical school, by the time you get to residency or even as an attending, you have hobbies, right? And unfortunately they get put on the back burner. But it's having this sort of self-revival and self-awakening of, oh, you know what? I, I really did like doing that. Um, I have a buddy who's, who's drawing again. Um, he's, and he's, he's saying that he hasn't done it in years. But he's like, you know, I pulled out a sketch pad and I just, I just doodled for a while and it was great. Um, it's just remembering those things that you have, just like our toolkit for, for work, right? I mean, we think about the different medicines and the different things that we can do and how we can, be, um, how we can have some uh, improvised medicine, how we can... How we can uh, be nimble in the ED. It's the same thing as now. What are the things that you can do, the things that you like doing and remembering that? So we, we've clearly identified the problem of what is going into decreased wellness and yeah. where resilience can take us. There's, there's some hurdles we have to get over. There's only 24 hours in a day, right? Some of those hours have to be work. Some of those hours have to be sleep. And some of those hours have to be everything else, right? So it becomes a mechanism and a scheduling compromise, right? We can't just not go to work. If I could not go to work and make the same amount of money I make now, I'd be happy to not go to work, but that's, that's not the reality. So I have a intrinsic motivation to go to work and to be good at my job. And that's where a lot of times I think we lose perspective as physicians, as a resident, you're forced to go to work and your drive is to learn the most you can about your specialty and graduate. So you can be an attending and, and make more money and whatnot. But that, that is an unchanging item on your schedule, right? I can maybe decrease my shift burden by a shift or two as an attending, but that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So now it starts to become a compromise issue. Uh, how do you balance 
those things because it really is so much of resilience is finding what it is that I want to do, what are my value sets, applying a point value to everything that has to go on, and then creating a balance to figuring out how can I fill my day, my week, my month so that I have the most value overall while maintaining those things that are rocks and are on unmovable. That's that's a fantastic question and a constant battle, right? Um, I can give you what I do as an example. I'm a big scheduler. Um, I, I have an electronic calendar. It's color-coded. My wife and I have our own calendar as well that we can drop things on um, so we, all, we know what, what we're all doing. But I schedule in work, and then I schedule in time to do other things, so whether that's um, writing or research or something. And then I actively schedule in like I said, time to, to, to do things for me. And by doing that for me, I'm again, very visual person when I see that and I can say, all right, from this time to this time, I'm going to check emails. I'm going to respond. And after that time is done, I'm done. Cause that's the other thing. The other thing that happens is your days just slip away. I mean, everyone's had those weeks where they go, I, I go to work and I come home and then I wake up and then I go to, I go to work when for me, when I actively have, all right, this is the time that I, I can do this until, and then I'm working out and I'm working out for an hour. And when that hour is up, I go to the next one and I find myself having to reset when I, when I get into this pace where I'm kind of not pace, when I get into a routine and I'm just kind of spinning the wheels, I do one of these hard reset weeks. My wife and I will go through our schedule and I will down to the hour plan the entire week. If anyone knows Jeff's scheduling, he actually has time in his schedule to do scheduling. That's how scheduled he is. Yes. I look at I look at your schedule and I get palpitations. I start freaking out because I can't I can't do that myself, but for you it, it works incredibly well. But I do think the concept of making time for you and making time for what's important yes. is is so very critical. For me, one of the balancing acts that I do is often a question of sleep versus exercise. Um, it, it's it's a hard one, right? And it's very hard. I have a group of guys that I enjoy running with in the mornings. We typically run uh, between 5.45 and 6 a.m. in the morning. If I'm coming off a swing shift, obviously I'm not going to be able to run with those guys. What I want to do when I don't have to be in early the next day, but maybe I did get to bed at a decent hour, is definitely not wake up early. But I do because the wellness, and I cringe saying that word, but the benefit that I get for myself personally by getting up, having social time that is also exercise, that is physical fitness, and makes me a, a better person and allows me to hit my day is well worth losing those 45 minutes of sleep. And then maybe the next day I say it's not worth it. The next day I'm going to sleep in those extra 45 minutes and make that balancing sacrifice. And I think the key point is looking at your global schedule when it comes to truly scheduling and saying, where where can I move things around? Where can I shuffle things so that, again, you get that balance, so that your your value added is the most it can absolutely be, understanding that there's always going to be a give and take. And I think that's where people struggle a lot with the concept of resilience, the concept of wellness, is not accepting the give and take, right? every Everything you add in, there's got to be something that comes out. And sometimes these are things that are very easy to get rid of. And sometimes these are true sacrifices because 45 yeah. minutes of sleep every day adds up, yeah. right? And you can't always make that sacrifice. And uh, it, it's a mindset change you have to make. But once you make that, it's like a weight and lift it off your shoulder. Yeah. And I think the next step, because I think a lot of people go there and then they get stuck because they're operating in their silo. Yes. And then they go into the public because the public wants more of you than you can have. Yes. And so I think the next step is, is to not feel sorry when you tell people no. 
and this is coming from the guy, like just so everybody in the room knows and people who listen to our podcast, this is coming from the yes man. I say yes. I didn't even know that no was in your vocabulary. It is. Um, but it's been interesting because just uh, simply applying no to times when I have decided not to do work to people who want me to do work has been refreshing. To where, like, case in point, I'm the research director. I'm, I'm, I have an admin position in our hospital where I interact with people that work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. And so they will send me pro- they'll send me projects say, hey, we need you to look at this today. And I have a really good response. I have time to do this next Friday from 1 to 5. I'll let you know about it then. And it's been interesting to get their response of, oh, we really need it before then, and then respond back, I have availability to take care of this next Friday from 1 to 5. If it needs to be done before then, you won't have my input, and we can move forward without it. And it's just been, and doing that unapologetically, and not feeling guilty and like, oh, I got to go do the work later. But I think that's the other issue is we don't give ourselves the latitude to do that. Because we make these schedules, and we make these lists, and we make these sacrifices, but then we don't give ourselves the latitude to say no. Absolutely. And something that I think comes even before what you both just what you both just brought up is deciding within your priorities what you're going to prioritize, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know both of you guys have families. That's going to be a priority. Same, it's the same for me, right? But recognizing what what things you're willing to sort of say. All right, you know what? If I don't have time for this, I'm happy to cut it. And when you make that that specific decision, and when you think through and realize and actually create almost a hierarchy that's when you can sort of have some of that freedom that, that drew you were just talking about when you can say, you know what I have it within my scope to recognize is sleep going to be more important today or is exercise going to be more important today? And what am I going to get more of a benefit from? Um, cause you're right. We can't do that with everything, but the things that we can, we can have that kind of a, ch- a choice with that's where we operate within our, our area for possible freedom. Yeah. So there's a concept when we talk about resilience that's been studied and published a little bit is the six domains of resilience. We've talked about a bunch of them. Uh, some of the things we've covered is, is health, which is sleep, nutrition, exercise. We didn't really talk about nutrition, but it's incredibly important. Composure, reasoning, collaboration. One of the things that I think you do really well with, Jeff, that's part of the six domains of resilience is tenacity. And one of the ways that you are so tenacious is actually with your incredible positive attitude. And that goes a long way in resilience. And I, I found for myself, that's a way that I can actually make other people more resilient too. You show up to your shift and, and you're the morning guy, you know, the night guy, it's, it's Monday morning, it's Tuesday morning. They just got slaughtered They've all night, right? shellacked. You have the choice to, to walk into your shift and see that there's 10 people on the board that haven't been seen, that there's six psych patients that are boarding, that there's two critical care patients in your trauma base. And you can, at that moment, make the decision to say, no problem. I got this. You've had a rough night. Get out of here. I'm happy to be here. And you say it with a smile on your face versus putting your head down and going, oh, what, what, you know, uh, fine, what, fine, fine, this is, fine, this is ridiculous. How could, you know, what am I supposed to do with, with the disaster I just inherited? Right. The ability to uh, just say, we got this, yeah. and to say it with a smile on your face goes a long way. You do that better than almost anyone I know. How do you do it? Oh. By making an active choice. I, I mean, I, I chose a long time ago that I was going to be happy. I know that seems like a really silly thing to sort of say, um, but it was an actual active decision. To, to sort of say, you know what, I'm going to work on modifying the things that I can modify and I'm going to work on trying, and I say trying because I, I still, I'm not an expert at this, trying to just let the things that I can't modify just go. And when you have this 
recognition that your energy can go towards the modifiable things rather than the energy that goes to the frustration of what do you mean the, the tube system is down to send blood samples to the lab? What do you mean we're out of this medicine? Or what do you mean when you just say, you know what? All right. I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to go ahead and continue to bop through, see patients. Um, I, I don't have a good answer, I guess, of, of how I can remain so positive outside of the fact that uh, it's more fun. Honestly, it's more fun to have fun. It's more fun to laugh. And that's just how, how my, my days on shift go. There's many people have talked about it. It's, it's come across some other EM podcasts. There's a, a book about him and other articles that there's the retired Navy SEAL, uh, Jocko Wolnick. And what he says in those situations is exactly what you just said. Good. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You know, it, anytime there's adversity, anytime there's something that didn't go well, if there's a failure, good. And you move on and you go to the next step and you address it. And it goes along with an episode, Andy, that uh, we did, the two of us with Tanner, not that long ago, talking about uh, E plus R equals O, right? And so what can we control, right? We can't control the event. We can control our reaction. And that yes. undoubtedly affects the outcome. And so it has to be that conscious decision. And I love that idea of just going in and it doesn't matter what it is and, and how bad things are. Truly, whether the word good is what you use or not, but having that attitude, good. So we've touched on some of the other six domains of resilience. And Jeff, I, I want to ask you, what would your advice be to somebody who lacks an understanding or a vision of where their resilience lies on how they would get there? Or how would they figure out what their thing was? I think a place to start is also finding small projects, completing your projects, and recognizing that you get the encouragement from the completion. So rather than saying, I want to take on the system or I want to do this, um, finding something small in your day and saying, that really, that really kind of bugs me a little bit. And when you make that change and when you can say, hey, you know, what I'd like to do is I, I'm, I'm irritated that I don't actually go take a lunch break. And when you make that cognitive decision to sort of say, well, you know what, that just means I'm going to leave the department for 15 minutes. I'm going to walk over to the cafeteria. I'm going to get some lunch. When you make that decision to do that and you see the positive results that you have, it creates a snowball effect. It's going to make you a better person. It's going to make your patients, uh, it's going to help you treat your patients better. Um, but it's just going to take you finding out who it is that's you. I think it's a great idea. The It's momentum that you're really yes. talking about. And I did a presentation on to-do lists recently. And there's a concept and a, a theory with to-do lists that one of the first items of your daily to-do list should be something that you know you're going to accomplish, right? So for oh, me, if, if it's a day that I am not working clinically in the morning and I'm taking my kids to school, the first thing on my to-do list is get my kids to school. I know that I'm going to get my kids to school. I don't <laughs> it's, actually it's have gonna to. Happen. I don't actually have to put that on my to-do list. But it feels but, good. But, scratching it off. Yeah, but the oh, minute man. I get to the coffee shop to do the other work on my to-do list for the morning, that is, you know, it's going to be my my academic work or my office work. I've checked off step one. So now oh, I have momentum fantastic. to move forward. And yeah. I like that concept with small projects. And then what you also have to have is the, the longer distance vision. That vision, yes. here's my vision for today. Here's my vision for the future. I, I do think something to do as an add-on to everything that we've talked about so far is when you're looking around, and it doesn't matter what stage of your career you're in. If you're a medical student, you're a resident, you're an attending, you have nothing to do with medicine, and you just happen to be listening to our podcast, look around you professionally and personally to the people that 
are happy, that appear to be resilient, that are the ones that just look like they have it together. Number one, remind yourself that they don't, right? No matter how good they look on the outside, there's something, there's a chink in their armor and they're usually happy to tell you about it. But ask them, what is it that you do that makes you have this confidence, this air of having it together and to appear like a resilient person? Because I guarantee you that person doesn't do it subconsciously. They have methods and it might not be the right method for you, but you build a database of methods from other people. And eventually you're going to find things that work for you and things that stick. And it's going to be a little bit of trial and error, but by creating a catalog of other people's approach to resilience is going to give you that ability to do the same yourself. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of rather than someone telling you, you should do yoga, it's finding out what everyone else does and picking what works for you. I mean, that's how we become doctors too, right? I mean, we are all the products of the people that taught us. Um, we take the good pieces of everything and we, we combine everything and that's how we, how we treat our patients. And that's how we need to develop as ourselves, right? I mean, we take the positives from, from this person. We take the positives from this person. And we, we work on trying to use that to build ourselves better. And I think you guys have done a previous episode on your personal board of directors. And I think that's... I think that's a fantastic idea. Just having different people that want to help you with different types of, of skills. So Jeff, closing this conversation out, what would be your advice to somebody searching for more resilience in their life? Reaching out to the people that have known you throughout your life and thinking about all the people that, that have known you and know, know you at your best, but also know you at your worst. I'm constantly calling my old mentors. Um, I'm, calling you guys all the time. Um, I'm talking to friends that I've had from high school. I'm talking to my parents, um, my brand new partners at my, at my new hospital at my new residence that I'm working with. And I'm constantly reinvigorating myself and I'm reevaluating myself and working just like you said, I'm, I'm working every day and it's like, it's a, it's a decision to, to continue to be resilient and persevere. That's awesome. Jeff, thanks so much for talking to us about resilience. If you're interested in more information on resilience, there's rabbit holes you can go down, go down as far as literature and research. This was a conversation about how resilience works for three guys that are doing emergency medicine. I think we have some good tips to bring to your own practice, but it's certainly not the end all be all. A lot to do with this topic, and I think this is just the start of the conversation. We'll have you back on, Jeff, to talk more about resilience and the awesome stuff you do. For those of you that don't know Jeff and aren't following him, GB Comp is his Twitter handle. Check him out. He is at an awesome program down in Arizona doing awesome wilderness medicine stuff and certainly worth a follow on Twitter. And uh, thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you so much, as always. This has been a lot of fun. I'm always honored. To be blinded by the light, to feel lonely in the night. Blowing in the breeze, babe I got dust in my eyes And rust in my mind I'll be home come next spring Won't you say you love me later Bye. So I liked <coughs> Never heard that phrase before, have you? No, I, 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 I'm going to be honest I'm completely derailed We need to talk about a rattlesnake in your throat now So I think yesterday when you gave your talk One thing that really... That was a bunch better rattlesnake sound than mine. It's like Rip and Phoenix, man. <laughs> Looking back over my life, spent the most of it on time. Pulling my belt 
just me and the stars tonight. Two fingers and a tie line.